Hi, my name is Brady and I'm a longtime fitness professional and Midwest girl turned mountain living hiking addict. In combining my knowledge of fitness and passion for hiking, I've helped hundreds of women get lean and strong for the trails. Think of this as your one-stop shop for both education and inspiration on all things female wellness, trail talk, and adventure. Hiking, female metabolism, motherhood, nutrition, travel, and fitness are all topics you'll hear discussed here. If you are outdoorsy and active, looking to level up your health, unlock your potential, and become inspired to live your most vibrant life, you're in the right place. You're listening to the Fit for Hiking podcast. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Fit for Hiking podcast. Today, we are going to get into a topic that I think is really fun to talk about, which is how to prep for big summits. If you have never, you know, completed a big summit hike before, um, meaning you're like hiking to a peak of some sort, you know, usually in Colorado, we think of like 13,000 foot peaks or 14,000 foot peaks. You might hear them called 14ers. They're very popular out here because we have a lot of them, but this can really apply to any sort of big summit, um, local to you that you're wanting to take on. And maybe it's just a bit more of a challenging hike than you've done before. So we're going to be talking about how to both physically prep, um, from a fitness standpoint, and then how also to just prep in general, um, just general know-how, things that I wish I would have known before I did my first big summit, um, because they, you could definitely make some mistakes that you regret um, and leave you a little bit miserable in the moment um, if, you, if you've just never done one before. So I want you guys to learn from some of my epic mistakes that I made when I first moved to Colorado and had no idea what I was doing. So let's start by talking about how to physically prep um, for hiking a 14er or just, you know, climbing a big summit. So um, we are going to talk about um, a little bit of the strength side as well as the um, conditioning side because we really need to be pretty well-rounded. Um, so tip number one. If you are going to be prepping for a big summit, you want to focus on building strength. I know oftentimes we think of hiking as just all, you know, cardio, but the reality is your muscles have got to have some juice behind them to get you up a big summit because you are going to be doing a lot of, uh, you know, single leg movement up and down. Your body's going to need some strength to carry you, and especially if you have a big pack. Um, you got to have a strong core, strong back muscles to support you on a ascent like this. So we really want to make sure that we're focusing on um, some strength work in a couple different forms. So one is, you know, true effective strength training. You want to be doing some progressive overload. Um, so that means that from week to week, you're repeating some of these basic movements that are should be foundational in every single fitness program that you do. Um, if you are doing a fitness program that doesn't include things like squats, deadlifts, lunges, step ups or step downs, um, you know, hip thrusts, uh, presses, pulls, like rows, pull ups or lat pull downs, um, chest flies, chest press, overhead press, then you probably want to find a new fitness program. These are absolutely foundational. These are the most important movements that we need to incorporate in every single training session. Um, and sometimes I think we get a little too fancy and um, see these workouts on like TikTok or Instagram that are just like 
all over the place. They look really unique and cool, but like they're actually just not that effective. So stick with the basics and make sure you're doing them in a progressive manner. A solid strength training program is anywhere from three to five sets of about five to 10 reps. Anywhere above that, we're really kind of more tapping into muscular endurance, which we're gonna talk about next. So three to five sets of five to 10 reps. And again, you want to be each week kind of building on what you did the previous week. Um, so some exercises that I recommend for strength training for a big summit would be step ups, you know, holding dumbbells, deadlifts, hip thrusts, back squats or goblet squats, any sort of lunge variation. And then you're also going to want to do some upper body work. I know it might not seem super helpful, but doing rows especially. So those could be horizontal rows, um, bent over dumbbell rows and lat pull downs, pull ups pullovers if you're doing it from home, um, and some core work as well. You know, you don't have to get too crazy with this, just some planks, side planks, hollow body positions. Um, we want to make sure that we have a good, well-rounded strength program. We're not just hammering the legs because, again, you need a strong back and core to carry a pack up a mountain, um, especially once you add kids into the equation and you're also carrying a baby. Um, so that is the first form of strength that I would focus on is just true heavy progressive overload strength. The next is muscular endurance. So really what this means is repetitive movement at maybe like a lower weight that you're using, but you're doing higher reps. So when you think of like workouts that really burn, it's usually because they're kind of tapping into that muscular endurance of just doing tons and tons of volume at a lower weight. Um, so, you know, you're probably not going to feel anything at like 10 reps, but if you're doing 50 reps at a smaller weight, yeah, that's some muscular endurance. You're probably going to feel that burn. So with hiking, we are doing, we are, you know, absolutely going to need muscular endurance because we are doing repetitive movements over and over and over again, um, that aren't necessarily super hard initially, but a few hours in, yeah, your, your muscles are going to need to be able to carry you through. So muscular endurance, this is going to be something for more than 12 reps. So maybe like 12 to 20 reps, you know, three to four sets of 12 to 20 reps. The same exercises can apply. Um, you can do the exact same ones that you would do in a strength workout, but you're just using a different rep range to activate a different stimulus on the body. Okay. So muscular endurance. The next is you really got to prep for the duration, um, endurance wise from a cardiovascular standpoint. Um, so I think that there's also something to be said for time on feet. Um, you know, if you aren't able to go for like long walks on a, you know, flat surface, you're probably going to struggle a little bit to hike a big summit because that's going to require you to be on your feet sometimes for like eight hours, depending on the duration of the hike and how intense it is, how many breaks you're taking, all these things. Um, so getting in the habit of going for long walks or just going for long hikes that don't necessarily, you know, go all the way up to a summit. Maybe you don't have as much incline gain, but you're just spending time on your feet uh, with a pack on getting used to how that feels of just kind of your body starting to get tired. Because, you know, if you get tired and you still have five miles left, that's not a good feeling. So you want to prepare for that. Um, so putting in the time and miles for your body to perform well is going to be huge. So a couple ways that you can do this. One is, like I said, going for just standard walks, like going for hour long walks a couple times a week leading up to a big hike. Um, incline walking on a treadmill 
for longer durations is also awesome, especially if you're not live, you don't live somewhere where there's a lot of inclines, um, or you know you don't have a lot of altitude changes. While nothing can actually prepare you for altitude, like oxygen deprivation, doing things at an incline is one of the best ways to prepare your cardiovascular endurance for that stimulus because it is going to be something where you're probably going up, up, up for a long duration. So incline walking, um, you could do intervals on an incline walk. You can just do a steady state where you're keeping it the exact same um, intensity and pace for you know 45 minutes plus. But the more you can do this, the more you're letting your body get used to similar movement, right? Incorporating one long bike ride a week or one long run a week, so four plus miles, um, of something that's a, a steady state cardio activity or just going for long hikes if you have access to do that even if they're not the most strenuous again you're getting that time on feet you're preparing your body in that way or doing something like an elliptical or stair climber at the gym for 45 minutes or so once a week it doesn't have to be something where you're like beating your body up five times a week truly doing one or two cardio sessions a week is so helpful and then just going for walks so you really don't need to overthink it here. And if you're like not sure at all how to put all of this together, um, you could check the link. One of the links in the show notes is for a free week of my Fit for Hiking workouts where we put it all together in a plan. So really takes the guesswork out and makes it quite easy and you can just get it done. Um, so those three facets of fitness, the muscular strength, muscular endurance, and then cardiovascular endurance are all really needing to work together to um, get you in the shape that you want to be in so you can show up with confidence. Um, another thing that I recommend is doing these things for at least two to three months leading up to your big summit. Um, you know, starting to work out like a week or two before, like sure, you might be able to do it if you're a generally active person, but you might not feel your best. And of course, all of this is really just to optimize how you feel. Like the same way that you wouldn't just show up um, for a marathon without training at all, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, right? Like if you are gonna show up and not be physically prepped, you haven't been doing anything that kind of imitates the movement that you're gonna be doing on the trail, um, you're probably gonna struggle a little bit and it's not gonna be very fun. So you wanna make sure that you begin a program two to three months before. And the Fit for Hiking program is a monthly thing, so you could start and you know get a couple months of um, some good workouts in if you feel like that would be helpful for you. Um, so that is kind of how you wanna approach it from the physical standpoint. Um, so now we're gonna kind of shift gears and talk about just general things to prep that you might need to know that maybe you don't know. If, if you're a total like newbie at this, I know when I first moved to Colorado, I literally had no idea how to hike a 14er. I just thought it was gonna be like a regular hike, but maybe a little bit steeper, and I didn't take into consideration so many factors about weather and safety and all of these things um, and it really ended up biting me in the butt on my first 14er experience. Um, so I'm going to just talk you through some of the things that I wish I would have known. Um, one is to break your shoes in beforehand. So if you just got a new pair of hiking boots and you're planning on doing a 14er or a big summit or just a long hike in general, backpacking trip, whatever it might be, break in your shoes before seriously go for some small hikes and see how it feels because boots are so not a one-size-fits-all like I have my favorites and then 
um, you know, I have friends who are like, oh, I hate those, but I really love these. I don't even necessarily like recommending boots because I just feel like they're so personal and it depends on your foot shape and so many different things. So make sure that your boots feel good for you. If you're getting blisters every single time where you feel like your feet are half broken after short hikes, trust me, it's not going to be any better when you're doing a long like eight hour hike or a big summit. Um, so make sure that your shoes feel good. Um, the next is to bring more snacks and food than you think. I made this mistake on a 14,000 foot hike. Um, it ended up being way more miles than I thought based on what I was seeing on a hiking app. And so it ended up being, you know, a good like nine hour experience. And I only had like two or three granola bars and they just were not satiating enough. And I was so hungry and literally could not get to a mountain town fast enough to go get like a big sandwich because I thought I was just going to wither away and die. Like you're exerting a ton of energy when you're hiking up that high at low um, oxygen supply. So just make sure that you opt for more food than you might think. Even if you're not someone who typically eats a lot on hikes, that's how I was and I really was kicking myself. Um, same with water. I mean, you're definitely going to want several liters if you're going out for a long, strenuous hike like that. So make sure that you don't skimp in those departments. Yes, it's extra weight, but trust me, your body needs the energy. So definitely make sure you do that. Um, I have a whole episode on trail nutrition that I will link in the show notes if that is something that you're interested in diving into. Next, and maybe the most important one, is to check trail reports and understand the seasonality of hiking big peaks. Um, my first 14er I ever did, I hiked in June, right? You'd think, okay, late June, for sure, you're good to go, like clear trails. Um, when you are above treeline and you're above about 10,000 feet, there's going to be snow in June most likely, especially in places like Colorado. Um, so you got to make sure that you're checking those trail reports. I was so underprepared. I did not have any sort of spikes. My socks got completely soaked. Um, my pants were soaked. Everything was wet. It was so tough to hike. You guys, I literally ended up sliding down the mountain on my butt, like, because it was just like a snow luge. Um, so you got to make sure that you are checking trail reports, see what the snow looks like, bring spikes if you need. Um, but I honestly would just recommend waiting until July, August are usually like kind of the only months in um, for like really high peaks above 10,000 feet that you're probably going to want to attempt um, to do those. I recommend July, August for sure. I don't even bother anymore um, anytime other than that because I know that it's just going to be a snowy, wet, kind of miserable experience to be honest. Um, watch weather closely and go early is the next tip. So one thing that I didn't know when I first moved to Colorado and started hiking was that um, there's thunderstorms pretty much every single afternoon at that high of altitude. So you need to go early, like start really early because it might end up taking you longer than you think because it's hard and you're sucking wind the higher you go up, um, even if you're an experienced hiker. Um, and you really don't want to be on a mountain past like noon or one because you're really at high risk for getting caught in a storm. Um, lightning strikes are real and it's very dangerous. So you don't want to be, be caught in a storm on the top of an exposed mountain. Trust me, I've been there and it is really, really scary and vulnerable and 
zero out of 10 recommend putting yourself in that situation. So go early, that way you can get to the summit and start your way down well before any storms come. And along those same lines, look at the weather reports. I mean, you have to know that in the mountains, weather changes on a dime, and it's important to just check it out because, you know, if you're coming from, like in my instance, Denver, you know, being the closest city to the mountains here, if you're coming from a place like Denver and you're, then you're going up to the mountains, it could be literally like 80 degrees and sunny and hot. And then you could get to the trailhead of where you're headed, even if it's like an hour and a half away and it could be 40 and windy and sleeting, literally. So it's important to check the weather, even if it looks like a beautiful day um, and make sure that you are prepared for whatever could come your way. When you are at the top of a summit, it's going to be windy because there's no trees. So you want to make sure that you're prepared for that as well. Um, the next is to download a map and if at all possible, have like multiple sources of navigation. So whether that's one digital map that you download and then a paper map or two forms of a digital, um, that way if one of your resources dies, then you still have another. Um, you really just want to make sure that you are covered in the navigation department because it's a scary thing to um, you know, lose your way. And especially if you are doing it and there is some, some snow on the trail and it's not very populated, then you could absolutely get lost super easily. Um, and safety in the backcountry and on these big peaks is not something that you want to take lightly. So just make sure you're covered map wise. I really love, uh, all trails plus because you can download the maps in advance. Um, and that's a super great resource. We also have a Garmin Enrage so that um, we can have maps downloaded and you can reach out without service if needed. I just think with safety, you can never be too careful. Um, so having some way to reach out when you lose service, because trust me, you probably will. I don't know really any large peak summit situations where you have great cell service. So making sure that you have a way to seek help or um, gain access to a map is going to be really crucial and, and coming prepared with, with navigation. Um, the next is to bring layers and extra socks. Like I mentioned before, if there's any snow on the trail or you get rained on, you might end up wanting some extra socks to prevent blisters um, and bringing extra layers. I mean, you could seriously start and be wearing shorts and a tank top and then it ends up sleeting on you. So it's so important to have a good rain jacket, um, a windbreaker type jacket, warm layers, even gloves and a hat. I'm not even kidding you guys. In the summer, it still is really cold at 14,000 feet. So make sure that you are prepared just depending on weather and how high up your big summit might be. Um, and then the next is bringing a first aid kit kind of along the lines of safety. You want to have just a little something where you can bandage things up and just in case, you know, something happens, you're able to take care of a small injury and it gets you through until you're back to your car. It's just not worth it to be in that situation and not have anything. So make sure you have um, just at least a bare minimum like wilderness first aid kit that you can bring in your pack. And the final one is to tell someone where you're going if you're going solo, especially if you've not done this before. You've got to be really communicative. Let people know exactly where you're going. Send them the route. Let them know when you're coming back and say, hey, if you don't hear from me by this time, like, please do something about it. 
um, you want to just make sure that you are covered in that department because it's it's just too serious of a situation to not um, to not prepare and you don't want to take it lightly um, and honestly if it is your first time I would probably recommend going with a buddy um, the first few 14ers I did I always went with people who knew what they were doing better than I did because it is a bit of a scary situation, especially if it's totally new to you and you are doing like a really big summit that has maybe some scrambling or, you know, you have potential to get lost. Just going with someone who knows the ropes, maybe knows the trail, knows what they're doing is always a good thing. So if at all possible, you can even hire guides. I mean, I've definitely gone with guided services um, and that can be really helpful. I know like here in Colorado, um, I have a friend, Shelby, with Ground Up Adventures is her Instagram, and she leads groups to do backpacking trips or big summits and things like that because it can be scary to, to dabble in that on your own. So um, definitely taking advantage of resources like that. I will link her um, Instagram in the show notes because she's an awesome resource if you are in Colorado or visiting Colorado. Um, so that is all I have for you today as far as tips on how to prepare for a big summit. I hope that this has been helpful. I, I so encourage you if you've never done a big summit before and you love to hike, it's a really cool way to challenge yourself and just bring it to that next level. Um, I remember just feeling so accomplished after my first 14er, even though with all the things that went wrong, like I mentioned before, um, it's such a cool feeling to do a big summit like that. And you you can just be so proud of your body. Like that's a big accomplishment. And, um, you know, even just coming from living in the Midwest, never hiking, never doing any of that, it is possible. You just want to show up prepared. So hopefully this episode empowers you to, you know, prepare properly, both from a physical standpoint and just knowing what to expect, checking the weather reports, bringing navigation, all the things. So I hope it's been helpful and I will see you guys in the next one. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Fit for Hiking podcast. As always, I hope it leaves you feeling inspired and informed on how to take your health and adventure into your own hands. For more content like this, be sure to follow along with my daily posts at ponytail underscore on a trail. That's ponytail underscore on a trail. You can also stay up to date on my new episodes being released at fit underscore for hiking and find more free resources at ponytailonatrail.com. Happy and healthy trails.